I had a supporting member write in and they asked me this question, are Christians supposed to have fun? She asked me about a worldview on having fun because she wondered if she was supposed to have fun. And then she went on with her question and expressed how there seems to be an element of mystery about what fun should look like for a Christian. And I thought that what she was asking was so intriguing that I wanted to write an article about it. So I did, and now I'm doing a podcast. And so I want to talk about this in today's podcast, Your Daily Drive. The title of the podcast is, Are Christians Supposed to Have Fun? And you can read this podcast if you want. I have a long-form article on the website by the same title. If you want to spend some time in it, I would encourage you to do so. I think it would be helpful. I think it would be helpful for us to think about enjoying God in the fullness that God wants us to enjoy Him in this world. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Let me jump into this. Now, I want to give you some synonyms for fun. First of all, I'm talking about biblically biblically appropriate fun. I'm not talking about hedonism. You see, we use the same words that the culture uses, or the culture uses the same words that we do, you know, like fun, like love, like eating. We have a, well, we should have a biblical worldview on eating. We should have a Christocentric perspective on love, and we should have a theological worldview on fun as well. You know, the world takes fun and It's filled with futile thinking and darkened minds that are alienated from the grace of God, and you know what they do with love. It is just horrible. And they do the same thing with food, whether it's gluttony or however they think about food as an addiction or whatever sensual thoughts that may be implied with the idea of food. And so just because we use the same language, it doesn't mean that it comes from the same source because our hearts are different from theirs. And so when I am using the word fun in this podcast, I mean it exclusively from a Christocentric perspective as far as the believer is concerned. And so with that caveat in mind, I want to start the podcast, Are Christians Supposed to Have Fun?, Uh, And I want to ask you a few questions, and that is the first one. How would you answer it? Are they? Now, if you say yes, that would be a good answer, but then I would follow up by saying, what constitutes fun for the believer? And then let's go just a little bit deeper. Do you have a fun theology, theology, theos, logos, What is God's mind on fun? Because that is the problem. If you don't have God's mind on what fun is, you could very easily do it like our cultural counterparts, and you don't want to do that. And so you need a theology on fun, just like you need a a love theology and a food theology. God's Word speaks to all things pertaining to life and godliness, and fun is a part of what it means to live in God's world, so do you have a fun theology? Now, let me make it a little more personal. Do you, as an individual, do you have fun? Or maybe you can ask it this way, are you a fun person? You see, it's not unusual to run into Christians who are unfun or they are unhappy. 
Now, I am not speaking of those who are going through grief or a season of suffering. I'm talking about believers whose disposition is unhappiness. I know very well that there are seasons of grief, times of grief, and suffering. And I know that you want to pull out of that ditch and you want to enjoy another kind of life besides grief or suffering. I remember those Well, I've had several of them in my life that have lasted different spans of time. And I remember being in those seasons thinking how I would love to be happy right now, how I would like to be able to comprehend the joy of Christ. I remember one time we were singing in chapel at our college, at our Bible college, and we were singing the song, When We All Get to Heaven, what a happy day or great day that will be, however the lyrics go. And there were tears going down my cheeks, and I, I remember telling God explicitly, God, if you have a bus coming today, taking a group to heaven, I want to be on it. I want to be there where tears are wiped away. I don't want to be here where there is so much sorrow and disappointment right now in my life. And so I don't want to guilt trip those of you who are going through grief or seasons of suffering. You get a hall pass on this because it's hard right now. But I am talking to those whose disposition, this is how you would characterize them. They, I mean, they don't smile a lot. They can be quick-tempered. More than likely, they are cynical. There are two ingredients to cynicism, numbness and suspicion. You put those two things together and you'll have a cynical soul. Cynicism is a growing numbness toward life, coupled with suspicion toward people. It's as though life has slapped them in the face one too many times, and they have given up on joy, on happiness, on biblical fun in God's world. Christocentric fun is not an option for them. These Christians present an awkward, out-of-step persona that confuses their secular counterparts. It's like the convicts are having all the fun, while those on the freedom side of the razor wire, they are miserable. It appears that these unhappy Christians are angrier than their secular counterparts, which is odd when you consider who has adopted them. It is the difference between the unhappy rich kid, think about this juxtaposition, and the unhappy poor kid. Both of them are unhappy, but because the rich kid is wealthy, his unhappiness seems worse. The wealthy child's problems are not nearly as significant as the problems of the poor kid because of the affluence of the rich kid's daddy. At least you can understand the sadness of the down-and-out child. The Christian's worst nightmare has become the most beautiful dream a person could ever imagine God has completely, irrevocably secured his life and placed him in the hands of the Almighty. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, verse 29 specifically. Listen to this from eternity past to eternity future verse where God has done so much and we are so secure, no matter how you think about it, He said, those whom he predestined, eternity past, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and 
Those whom he justified, he also glorified, eternity, future. The convicts, those who are in prison, they should be more frustrated. They should be more disgruntled. They should be more hopeless. The Lord is not their Lord. They're on a direct flight to hell. Though the saved and unsaved may participate in the same secular events, they should not enjoy them equally. A Christian enjoying a ball game can do so from a position of having his debt forgiven and freedom secured. God has miraculously unhooked the believer from the tentacles of shame and guilt and condemnation. Imagine anything that you look at, anything that you participate in, you are viewing it from a position of strength, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. You have been set free to enjoy all of life. He should not save his joy until Sunday morning, as though the weekly gatherings are the only places that he can have fun. Christians should live life heartedly because their most significant problem in life was taken care of at the cross. A seven-year-old boy attending a ball game with his daddy will thoroughly enjoy it if, here's the condition, if he has the assurance of his father's love for him. Knowing that God is for you, releases you, to live all of life in that freedom. I know what it's like to live under the critical eye and abusive backslap of an earthly father. Life with him was always eggshell walking. As you wondered when he would abuse us in some way, my heavenly father is nothing like that. And it has been this growing awareness, the difference between a hard, mean, earthly father and God the Father is that distance and the growing gap between those two people, that growing awareness, it has released me to have more fun more often throughout my day and in any context since I became a follower of Jesus. Fun, like everything else we do, grows out of our heart. What you are on the inside determines how you live on the outside. Jesus said it this way, by their fruit, ye shall know them. Well, there's another verse in 645 of Luke where Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means there is no discontinuity between who you are on the inside and what you do on the outside. Therefore, it is imperative to think about who you are on the inside because whatever that is, is going to determine the kind, the type, and the quality of fun that you're going to have. If you're not free on the inside to have fun on the outside, the first place to begin working through this problem is inside of you. There is something wrong with your spiritual person that binds you from the freedom you could enjoy in God's world. Because of the wicked cravings of the unsaved person's heart, 
they cannot find deep, rich, and satisfying fun in what they do, which is in part why they live for the weekends. Work is not enjoyable, but the weekend is. The Christian lives a fuller life not wasting the weeks away, Monday through Friday, waiting for the long-anticipated but short-lived weekend so they can dip their toe into a few milliseconds of fun before they get back to the doldrums of life called the work week. No, the Christian is not like that at all. We live more zealously because we're on a mission from God. For us, it is not about work or play. Not primarily, but it's about bringing glory to God primarily in everything that we do, whether it's work or play. There is nothing more fun, nothing more enjoyable, nothing more pleasurable than thinking about how to accomplish this grandest of goals of bringing glory to God. In Colossians 3, Paul hinted at this. He said, whatever you do, Work heartedly as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. That's Colossians 3, 23 and 24. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, you know this verse. He said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, there are three common heart conditions that exist for the person who does not have fun. And so if you don't have fun, if you're characterized by not having fun, and I'm not talking about those of you who are going through grief or seasons of suffering, but there are three fun killers. It will kill your fun. All of them generate and find their existence in the heart. They are fear, discontentment, and anger. If you're fearful, discontented, or angry, and this is how you are characterized, I'm not talking about episodes. You can have an episode of fear. That's okay. You can repent of that and move on. You can be discontented in the moment or for a day, but again, it's not how you are characterized. And of course, anger is similar. You can have episodic anger, which is different from a pattern of anger. But if these things, if these patterns exist in an ongoing way in your heart, you will struggle to enjoy life. And so let's take a look at these three fun killers. I can't give you an exhaustive explanation of what they are and how they work out for you, but I can give you a few ideas. And so let's take fun killer number one, fear. A person who is overly concerned, for example, about what others think about them is bound to their opinions rather than God's view of them. This is classic fear of man, as we see in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. And so if you are fearful, let's say, of the opinions of other people, you are not free. You're not free to have fun. Fear stands guard around their hearts and It keeps them in bondage. An example of this is if you grew up in a legalistic church culture. A legalistic church culture is a fear-based church culture. 
It's a fear-based community, and if you were brought up or if you currently participate in a legalistic church culture, it can shape you into being a fear-based person. They have convinced you, for example, that it is a sin to go to a movie. And because you have been shaped that way, trained that way, your concern for the opinions of your legalistic friends will cripple your ability to think biblically, and it would hinder you from enjoying your day. The best thing you could do in a condition situation like that as a legalistic person is to peer through the razor wire, watching the convicts line up for the movie theater. And if you do not shed this fear-based thinking, you will soon become bitter and a lot of legalistic people. Legalistic people can be some of the most bitter Christians that you will ever encounter. Bitter could be the minimal thing that happens Worse than that, you may walk away from the stringent harshness of a cold religion. And when I say walk away, I'm talking about walking away from God. And I mean, you should walk away from a legalistic culture, but you shouldn't overreact by walking away from the Lord. Another example of this is similar, but a person who lives in an abusive authoritarian context Whether it was a mean dad or a harsh spouse, in time, you'll start believing lies. Never sure who is right, you or them. I'm not sure if you've ever lived in an authoritarian context, but they can be so uh, powerful and so controlling that uh, you'll become confused. You don't know if you're right or they're right. You'll start believing a lie instead of the truth because it is that powerful. It is that transformative and a negative sense. It's that controlling. The abused person becomes a second guesser, always doubting what is right, what is wrong. A lingering darkness hovers over their souls, and they never delight in the joys of a God-centered life. Those are just a couple of illustrations of how fear can grab the heart and take the person captive to where they don't enjoy life the way that they could. A second fun killer is discontentment. Without sound theological moorings to sustain you and a growing awareness of the freedom that you have in Christ, you will become that Christian peering through the razor wire, looking at the convicts on the inside, the incarcerated ones, and enjoying their version of fun. Your discontentment will grow as you become an observer of life while detached from enjoying the fullness that the Lord provides. Rather than deepening your walk in Christ, you will wither from the inside out. The temptation will be to give tacit acknowledgement to the Christ life while pursuing fun like the world, those who do not understand the gospel. And you will be painting by numbers, living your Christian life by rote, going through the motions because you have a growing discontentment in your soul Most people will not discern this. They will see that you are doing all the things of Christianity, but inside there's a deadening, a numbness that is growing over you, a discontentedness. But there will be a slow gravitation toward the things of the world to enjoy them like the world. The problem with the world is that they do not understand the gospel. They have not profoundly tasted the victory we have in Jesus. In Psalm 34, 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. But the discontented person drifts from that story. 
And if discontentment is the flavor of your heart, you're going to be perusing the candy section, looking for a quick fix rather than engaging and enjoying the fullness of God's bounty. Three fun killers. One is fear in the heart, discontentment in the heart, and then number three, anger. Anger is really the result of fear and discontentment. Mix it all together and it will create a frustrated heart. Frustration is a synonym to angry. These things working together will make you angry, which is a setup for a trap. In time, you will overreact by throwing off the shackles of religion and begin acting like the world. So often this happens like those coming out of a legalistic culture. Whether it's a condemning church environment or a critical home, they do this. They jump from legalism to licentiousness because they want to have fun in their haste to get away from the strictures of a no-fun religion, they jump over the gospel and fall flat into hedonistic pleasure-seeking. And if you talk to them, they will not characterize themselves as angry or fearful or discontented, but if you spend enough time with them, you would discern these things in their hearts. This kind of person will need mentoring before they will or before they can enjoy the freedom that God offers through his word. It's the kind of freedom that will keep them out of the ditches of one, no fun at all, and number two, the shallow fun of our culture. And those are the two ditches that you could easily find yourself in. Some Christians, and I remember when I first came to Greenville, South Carolina, the buckle on the Bible belt of religion, My uh, there was a student uh, that I was working with. He was graduating that year as I was starting my freshman year. And he said very plainly, Christians aren't supposed to have fun. And if you looked at him and interacted with him for long, you'd realize that he doesn't have any fun and it was hard to be around him because his unfun persona and unfun worldview was it was really draining and it was it could tempt you to fall into a deep ditch of despair but the reaction to that unfortunately the sinful reaction to that the people who are in these difficult religions or difficult environments is just to say well the heck with you I don't want that, and they overreact, and they jump in the other ditch of licentiousness, and many of them label themselves as being free, and I am part of the grace crowd now, and that's an overreaction. They need to be part of the gospel crowd, not the grace crowd in the way that they interpret grace. It means they can do whatever they want to, and unfortunately, uh, that is wrong as well. Sometimes a person will ask, well, what are some fun things to do? Well, that depends. You really don't want anyone to mandate that for you. You want it to be pneumatic. You want to be led by the Spirit. And, of course, you can weigh those matters in the context of a competent community. But it really depends on you. Fun can be anything you enjoy doing as long as your aim is God's fame. My wife is my fun and so being with her is one of the most pleasurable things that I could ever do. And I think the same way about my children. 
I also have fun writing. I love writing. Been doing it for a long time now. Doing my job. I love that. To me, that is fun. Watching a movie, hugging any family member, or going on food adventures. You can read more about that. I have a link here in this article about what food adventures are. I used to have fun taking care of my lawn. I don't enjoy it as much now because I'm older and <laughs> have back trouble and all of that. I find it a lot of fun. I love thinking about God, about life, about people. Now, in that way, I can take my fun with me wherever I go because I can muse on the things, on these things, God, life, and people at any time and in any context. I enjoy ball games less and less. I enjoy Christ-centered small group gatherings more and more. If you do not have any fun things to do, ask others what they do to have fun and give it a try. It might not float your boat, but you will not know until you put your boat on the water. I would give you this warning. Be careful about who you pick to be your fun mates. You do not want to compromise your walk with the Lord. I have the most fun with God and his children, but only those children who have a full-hearted desire to follow him. And this is important. Now, I can have fun with lukewarm Christians, but there's an element of guardedness with them because of their low-grade passion for the Lord. The zenith of all fun is when two people are enjoying God together in any context, whether it's a ball game or a movie or uh, taking a walk down a street. But nothing transcends this kind of fun. And so when it comes to having the best fun, that you should have an inner circle of friends, and those friends should be people that love God supremely. My desire for you is to be biblically free, and I modify it that way. Be free, but be biblically free. One of the cool things about going to a game or going to a restaurant with another Christian is you can laugh loudly as well as enjoy deep and intimate fellowship. Like wind moving through a tree, you can seamlessly go from hearty laughter to heartfelt conversation. You can enjoy the full gamut of human relationship, including fun, as a believer. This kind of engagement with God and others while enjoying the things of the world is as good as it gets. I'm going to end this podcast by sharing with you one of my all-time favorite fun quotes that explains why Christians should be the loudest people in the restaurant. This quote is from Terry Linval from the book, Surprised by Laughter, the comic world of C.S. Lewis, he said this, Laughter is a divine gift to the human who is humble. A proud man cannot laugh because he must watch his dignity. He cannot give himself over to the rocking and rolling of his belly. But a poor and happy man laughs heartily because he gives no serious attention to his ego. Only the truly humble belong to this kingdom of divine laughter. Humor and humility should keep good company. Self-deprecating humor can be a healthy reminder that we are not the center of the universe, 
that humility is our proper posture before our fellow humans as well as before Almighty God. That quote, again, from Terry Lindvall, Surprised by Laughter is the book, The Comic World of C.S. Lewis. The podcast, the title, and the article that I just shared with you is called, Are Christians Supposed to Have Fun? I hope you are a fun person to be with. I hope that you enjoy life. I'm not saying, are you silly? Are you superficial? Are you, are, are you shallow? I know some people that they joke all the time. They can't do anything without joking and just being silly, and they are quite annoying, to be honest with you. That's not the kind of fun that I'm talking about. That's not moderation, and it's only one aspect of the Christian experience. But I'm talking about fun as being a part of the full comprehensive effect of what it means to be a Christian. Are you fun? Now, if you want to talk about this, I, in fact, there are those two ditches, the person who jokes all the time and the person who's so blooming serious that you just get tired of being around them. But are Christians supposed to have fun is the title of the podcast and the article. I also have, have other articles embedded here that you're welcome to read. And if you would like to talk about this, go to our community forum. We have a free forum that you can get on. Get your username and password. Make sure that you are logged in. And then you can ask us about this idea of fun and you can ask us anything else that you wish as well. If you are a supporting member, thank you so much for supporting this ministry. You go to our private forum and you ask your question there. And we'll be ready to serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.